friends, welcome to episode 209 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. How we doing, Rob? Oh, I'm full from dinner and it was lovely. Belly full of tacos, best way to start an evening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for those who are probably listening to us later this week, uh, happy Cinco de Mayo. Yeah. Uh, and for those of you tonight, uh, pre-gaming. Good job. <laughs> happy, happy birthday to your wife, Vicky. Yes, yes, yes. Her birthday is this week. I'm, I am, uh, I'm sad to say that we don't have major things planned for her. But later this month, she's going on a cruise, so we'll accept that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you still got you got a bunch of friends coming over. Uh, yeah, we're gonna do some. We'll do some uh, socializing this weekend and uh, and see some people. So that'll be nice, and it'll it'll be more of a you know quiet casual event rather than something you know big and you know ostentatious we'll we'll be leaving we'll, we'll be uh saving that for uh, a few birthdays on she's got some plans apparently oh okay yeah, well. so she's she's uh ex- excited about the future mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. but uh yeah that's that's uh that's it on my side of the coin uh personal gaming has been a little quiet sean's still kind of ramping up to his his is in two weeks we had some great discussions though over the weekend with all with the uh, different players because yeah he was just like okay these two players are have pretty much made mechanically the same characters what makes you different right right well so so not only that um uh he wanted to get you two together to kind of talk like you know okay so what you know just just make sure you're not playing the same character you know we're gonna nip any right uh complications with that in in, in the bud here um but also like on my side of things just you know living with him and talking to him day to day uh mm-hmm. he really took a lot of our discussion about proactive and reactive gaming yep to heart good um, good I, I, i'm happy to hear that he really enjoyed what uh what jonah and tristan fischel had to say um he's looking forward to the book coming out he's mm-hmm. like this is all this is my wheelhouse yep um and he's like i've heard him like directly quoting you know things so that we were taught about that's in awesome there to to really kind of like gear up for things um in that he asked all of us for a little snippet of background he asked us for a major character goal and Mm -hmm. asked us for one npc that we know and have as a contact you know yep so getting those sort of things prepared so he can all kind of integrate us into Mm -hmm. the story and hit her hit the ground running yeah yeah no i'm 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 excited to see where it goes Mm -hmm. and uh and to work with sean and kind of feel out the game but i think i think there'll be a lot of good storytelling between the group like there's a lot of good like friend chemistry already and i like that yeah 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 absolutely so, yep absolutely yep. uh but other than that um i don't think we have what mouse guard got scheduled in june yeah it got pushed out a little pushed bit because uh, may is just a rough month for everybody there's just a lot going on yeah. and it, it didn't t- it didn't pan out well with the groups so and uh, our friend's uh daughter is going to the robot war finals uh, already did. Already did. Yeah, came, came made it to within the uh, Texas finals. Uh, made it into the semifinal finishes for her division and got knocked out in the first. Oh round, sadly, darn, sadly. darn, darn here! But like, but... but like a little group out of Michigan here who had almost no funding and literally started their robot design on paper. Didn't yeah. even start it in AutoCAD or anything like that. Uh, did an amazing job. Got tons of awards. I think they ended up with like four banners before they were done with this run. Yeah. And like they were going up against people who like had NASA as a sponsor or like, you know, Amway as a sponsor. Yeah. You well, know. you know, if you can't execute, you know, well, you know, and, and like multi hundred, per- not, I wouldn't say hundred, but like, Teams that would take 10 minutes to go through their, like, you know, 
woohoo lines and they're like yeah we're already done like this right, this is right. our 20 that we were able to bring here that we bust in you know we didn't have our private jet fly us down mm-hmm. you know kind of a thing but you know i'm <clears throat> i'm very proud of them like i i was there at the inception of us first mm-hmm. and got to see how it progressed and so i was excited seeing it after all of these years so big and like all the little precepts that we had set up like and 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 did at the very beginning are still there. Like it's still very community. It's still very much about keeping the kids involved. It's not like Pinewood Derby where it's really dads who build the cars and kids who get to play with them later. You know, mm-hmm. this, yeah. this is 100% kids doing crazy oh, yeah. crap. And now it's like middle schoolers are getting it with like Legos to start with. So by the time they get to high school, they're like, yeah, yeah, we're done with the Legos. Give me metal. I want sheet metal. Right. I want, I want actual motors. Like, you know, give me some stuff to work with. Well, we know who to call when uh, ChatGPT starts building hunter-killer drones to get rid of us all. Pretty much. Yep. Pretty much. So, But, uh, yeah. Yeah. God, that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Yeah, the ChatGPT conversation is moving very quickly. I feel like there's a, uh, there's something to be said about it, but I think it's too early to say things about it right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I do think that there is going to be some interesting movement with that in things like MMOs. And uh, dynamic uh, games, kind of like like Division, where where you could have emergent story based upon your actions. Yeah, I could see it, and and that would be cool. I would respect. Would cool. I would respect like a NPCs to have better conversations with me based upon my actions. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not just a, hey, good job. You know, it's like, dude, thank you so much for taking care of getting our electric set up. You know, we knew those guys, you know, down on uh, 7th were going to give you hell. But, man, the Reapers really, you gave them, you know, what. And, and like, you did all of that. Right. You know, right. those kinds of things. Um, you, or, like, uh, like in Division, like, you, you help people in the street at times. Mm-hmm. To have that come back at you later. Would be great. I, I would say I, I'm I'm fine with it as far as the the back end decision making process for the NPCs and stuff like that. Yeah. But I still want to make sure that actual voice actors are getting paid for their work. You know? No, 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 one hundred percent. Like and that, that's that's really the, the big the big contention right now is yeah. is not it's not about the back end stuff. It's about who which, which humans are you replacing in right. the, in in the thing. Like the, like there, there's a writer strike right now. And that's no, like I'm one of the big one hundred percent stand behind the writer strike. There's one big problem with the writer strike. You know, right right now is that they're trying to uh, trying to to negotiate is like. You know, we want stipulations moving forward that you can't use AI to replace us, essentially. Yeah. No, yeah. 100%. Uh, I agree so... with that. I don't mind it for emergent things. Mm-hmm. And I think it would really help for a lot of the emergent things and and help make those games that, that basically need an extended life for the things that sit around in the background and follow the player mm-hmm. around would help a lot. Likewise, I feel things like, and, and as much as I agree that mid-journey is a stopgap for some tool set for artists to use. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel that something like Midjourney is a good tool set for uh, for emergent character design. Like, imagine if you, you got into your MMO and you got, you know, after you made your, uh, you made your character, you picked your background, you've got your class, you know, maybe you even put in, you hand type in your goals and things right into it. You then end up getting an emergent image of what your character looks like that comes out of that. Mm-hmm. And you could just kind of like transition through it. I would love to see that. Like Baldur's Gate, you could pick art. And the art was great, don't get me wrong, but you, at a certain point, you just run out of images when you're dealing with, you know, 
MMOs with hundreds of thousands of players. Sure. You know, to millions of players. This would then give you that option to have an emergent character art get generated. Yeah, I can see, yeah, I can see it. You know. and, and even if you had artists build the catalog of what the world looks like and the types of characters that are in it, and then it uses that framework to build these emergent images, I think that's a beautiful way of handling that. Yeah, it could work. I'm, I'm like, I'm sure, I'm sure there's the, like you said, there's a bigger discussion, way bigger, but not for today. Yeah, yeah. you know, so today is totally different. <clears throat> today, believe, believe it or not, actually is totally. different. And now for something completely different. Um, yeah, our, uh, is it one of the other podcasts I listen to calls this the preamble ramble. <laughs> we're just gonna, we're gonna BS for ten minutes before we actually get to the real topic. Why not? Why not? We have a microphone. They don't. Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, all right. So tonight we we actually are talking about a real topic. We are. Um, it's our two o two. Yeah, it's another another two o two. It's the first ones of the month. So we're going to deep dive into a uh, a sort of niche topic that may not take up an entire. You know, it's not like a basic. It's not like a one o one sort of thing. But maybe it's a side branch of that. Um, we're going to talk about multifaceted encounters tonight. Um, and so it's a little bit. It's kind of like an expansion of an encounter building. Yeah. Um, sits, and it sits within that bracket. Yeah, this one's more about like uh, making your encounters a little spicier, maybe a little, a uh, little, little cooler, a little more dynamic. Um, so first off, we'll start with the definition. Yes. What is a multifaceted encounter? All right. So typically, mm-hmm. our encounters are typed. You know, we. This is truer with some games than it is with others. Um, I know Savage Worlds usually breaks these very, very cleanly into, like, different types. Um, but we can kind of broadly put our encounters into different buckets. You yeah. know, you've got a combat encounter. You've got a social encounter. You've got a chase encounter. You might have a stealth encounter, etc. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's basically just saying that the the particular types of skills and, and action in the scene is going to follow... Um, that particular type of of thing, and and to a degree, they can the reaction and action economy can be very different mm-hmm. depending on what you're doing. Because a lot of times in a social, it's it's not going to have an initiative. It may have a a back and forth. Sure, yeah. You know, in that sense of of who you know, and in some games, even the social is based upon who is carrying the weight of the conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's a matter of someone is uh, someone is leading and someone is following. You know, in yeah. a conversation. Whereas the same can be said about a chase, but there is an action economy in a chase based upon who's in the lead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in, in uh, like games like Savage Worlds, actually have like chase mechanics. Rules, yeah, you know. Uh, combat, usually we're defined a combat scene by, you know, okay, initiative has been rolled. Mm-hmm. This is now a combat scene, you know? Yeah. Um, and so a multifaceted encounter is basically just taking encounters where two or more of these things are happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. Okay, so why why would you blend these things? Well, I mean, it's fun, yeah. but it's also natural. It mm-hmm. It's how action occurs it's not like stealth is separated from combat or social is separated from you know uh from fencing even to a degree yeah there's plenty of scenes like in in media where you've got two people who are dueling with words as much as they are with swords and in some cases the weight from one leans into the other Mm -hmm. you know 
a, a perfect one that a lot of people, like most people know Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. The very end with Inigo Montoya and, and the Count, they're dueling with words as much as they are dueling with their swords yep. about and, and carrying weight with each one of those things. Um, gross point blank has a, has a gun fight with Dan Aykroyd and, <laughs> and they're it's witty banter, but at the same time it carries into the conversation, yeah. you know, and we see this more so in spy and other things like that, but it, it carries into those. You know, I've also seen a number of um, of uh, of movies where chases, you know, will have other elements added into them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it also can be individual characters doing different things. Yeah, and yeah. you you want that to be involved and mixing the and giving that option that like a lore-based character who is who is a researcher helping out a strength-fighting-based character and maybe a wizard all in the same encounter sounds kind of cool. Mm-hmm. You know, what does that look like? But, you know? like, usually, yeah. usually we're running, okay, well, we're running a combat encounter, so the non-combat character just kind of has to take a back seat. Yep. And now we're in a research scene, and those combat characters take a back seat while the research dude does his thing. What if those weren't two different scenes? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What if the researcher had to do his research under fire while the combat people were defending him? Exactly. That's the type of thing we're talking about. Exactly. So I kind of break uh, blended encounters down into, uh, or multifaceted encounters down into kind of three different types. Um, this is by no means definitive. This is just kind of something I, I, I made off the top of my head here. But I think it fits. I think it fits. Um, so generally you've got either A... PCs doing two things at once. Uh, the ship is sailing and also sinking, like because it's being shot at. Uh, so well, you're I, fighting. I was, thinking, I was thinking more like the 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 aforementioned, like you said, that the researcher has to do his research mm-hmm. in the middle of a combat scene. Right. You know, that's that's the two things at once. You got a research scene and a combat scene sure. all at once. You got a chase scene, but at the same time, crossbow bolts are hitting the carriage. Yep. You know, you've got combat that's happening while the chase is going. Exactly, on. things like that. Um. Uh, PC's doing one thing while another is happening. Uh, the end of the mummy, maybe? Um, there's an, uh, there's a battle coming at the same time as they're trying to stop the ritual. I'm trying to, th- yes, but they're, they're all involved in all of those things. So I mm-hmm. think that's a PC's doing two things at once. Uh, I'm thinking more of a, uh, fighting while a, um, well, a, a massive earthquake is happening and the building is coming down around you. Or a trap has been triggered and actions are occurring around you and you are tr- and you have combat going on. Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, things like that. Uh, then... or, or the guards are coming while you're doing the research. Uh, yeah, do, <laughs> do one thing while another thing is happening is more that the other thing that's happening is passive and not involving directly the players mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um it is an environmental factor that gets added on top of you know yep. it's one thing to have combat it's another thing to have combat in a burning building that is a thing with beams falling yep. down and yep. you know there are consequences exactly um and then the last thing is pcs all doing their own thing towards a common goal otherwise known as ship combat mm-hmm. where you know everybody mans a station and everybody kind of does their own individual thing but it's all towards that sort of group unified goal greater good the greater good. Um, so we'll discuss PCs doing two things at once 
which I think is probably the most key example of what we're trying to talk about here. Then that's that's the the, the Brendan Fraser mummy thing. You've got a researcher, you've yes. got a fighter, you've got, you know, maybe two researchers, depending on how you look at it, mm-hmm. or a research test fighter. So you have one person who's, you know, translating and trying to control the zombies so that the person fighting has less zombies and can focus on the big bad guy, while another person is also trying to help with the translation from another part of the room yeah. to stop the events of what's what are about to occur. Exactly. You know, stop the ritual. There's you know? a lot there's a lot going on there. Yeah. But every character in that in, in, in that scene is undoubtedly involved and effectively doing the thing that they're that they're meant to do, you know. Yeah. Um, you put another one on here, Three Musketeers, which I know is one of your favorite movies. Yep, the, 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 the Disney, Disney one, one. Uh, the chase sequence, where uh, which is most notably known when Porthos pull, pulls out wine. Porthos pulls out wine and says, you know, he, he suggests, you know, the red. Oh, you're, you're the white. Oh, right, the red. That's what I should have gone with. You know, <laughs> But you've got someone driving the carriage. You've got people switching reins, actually, while other people are firing pistols at those who are being, who are chasing against them mm-hmm. and fighting them, you know? And, uh... Uh, making decisions. Uh, Porthos at one point literally finds money and realizes that they're about to go through a small town area, and if he throws the money out to the people, they'll go after it and block the way. Yep. And all of these are decisions that are being made by different characters in different directions, uh, but it, because the events are all happening at the same time. Yes, yes. Uh, one example from my game recently... Mm-hmm. Um, was uh, when you guys all went to Apocrypha, the mm-hmm. uh, this infinite library that is an entire realm to itself. Yep. Um, and you were looking for a very specific unmarked book because mm-hmm. uh, all of the books there were unmarked. Right. Um, and like I said, it's an infinite library, so it's literally a needle in an infinite sized haystack you're looking for here. But you had a magical compass that pointed you towards where where this book yes. was. Yes. Um, so you got there and there was basically like a stack of books where it was like, it's in there somewhere. So mm-hmm. you're like, okay, well that narrows it down, but we still need to find which of these 50 books it is. Mm-hmm. Um, as you begin to search though, the local wildlife decides that it takes exception to use filtering, you know, filtering through its books. Right. Um, and so we had a blended encounter there. Um, you guys had to accumulate a number of, uh, uh successes on research roles. Yes. To reach a predetermined number. Um, now, that number needs to be high enough at this point that it presents a time crunch to get to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but not so high as to drag the encounter on past when it's fun. Mm-hmm. Basically, the idea is to keep you there long enough you feel the sense of danger and urgency. Yep. But not so long that you're like, oh, God, can, can we get can we get on with this? You right, know? right. Um, each turn passes by, more and more powerful enemies show up. Okay, so we have an escalation, and that puts um, a little more pressure on the researchers trying to find this book, right? If you don't find it soon, more and more powerful enemies are showing up, and it's going to start getting tense. Maybe the researchers are going to have to jump in and fight instead. Um, And most importantly, nobody has to do any task. Um... I didn't walk in there and say, okay, you three have to make these rolls and you three have to fight the monsters. I just said, okay, uh, start. you will make research rolls to start looking for the book. Anybody who wants to do that can. And, um, oh yeah, here are your first monsters. And they're they're approaching. You can see them coming your way. Yeah, and it it did feel, it did have that level of tension, but it also had, because of that tension, had a, had that strong sense of, uh, victory, mm-hmm. which was wonderful. 
So. Yeah, and and when the when the encounter was over, because you had this um, uh, this danger component to mm-hmm. it, you know, um, the researchers got to do their thing. Mm-hmm. You had some people who had like poured some significant character build, you know, into into getting a high research skill. So yeah. at this point, you've got them all kind of going like. Oh yeah, this is what my character is built for. I this is my jam. I am ready to roll this gigantic research skill that I have. Um, at the same time, you've got this danger component, so it's not like a, it's not a a scene where your researchers are sitting out while the combat's happening, or the combat sitting out while the research is happening. You know, right. you've got both at the same time, and both are integral with one another. Mm-hmm. And at one point, one of the one of the people who was doing the research. Saw you guys getting a little overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Saw something big show up and whipped a fireball over his shoulder mm-hmm. to help help you guys for a turn. Right, you know, you know forgave a chance to 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 cut down the amount of time, but also recognized that the time element and pressure element meant there was a balance difference. Exactly, exactly. So, why is it why is building an encounter like this interesting? Well, I mean. Aside from aside from the mechanics that went into it, well, I'll I'll start with the the very basics. If all we were doing was going there and just picking books off a shelf, mm-hmm. and then something happened, you know, uh, the proverbial like uh, um, find, uh, you know, there clearly has to be a switch in this room. You know, everybody search the room until we find the switch. Okay, and then the switch is found and the door opens. It's kind of boring just to make rolls around a table yeah. until that happens. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's it feels staged mm-hmm. and blocked. And in this case, uh, it, it also creates the image um, to the players that success is inevitable. Yeah. Because because it is it, it feels like you're blocking plot. Mm-hmm. Whereas with this, the answer is there before you. You've already presented the goal. It is in this space mm-hmm. now. Can you get to this goal? Can you find the jelly bean in the 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 pit of baked beans? You know, yeah. before the timer runs out. And, yeah. and and now we're playing one of like you know one of the gotcha games. Yeah, you know? because, because essentially you could you could eventually find that book with a, with a long enough time mm-hmm. to do so. Time is the resource I'm taking away from you, though. Yeah, you know, um, and you know, likewise, combat encounters just by themselves tend to just kind of feel like boring time sinks and distractions in a lot a, a lot of times mm-hmm. um i mean I, I know there's a lot of people out there who really love combat i mean by 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 all means you know D has a very big a very very big following but like if you look online you see a lot of discussion about like how do i make combat more interesting how do i make more combat less of a slog you know yeah um and, and i i think that's it, a major concern across multiple game systems i know i like to bag on D, but like even Savage Worlds combat can drag a little bit, you know. Well, it doesn't feel like there's a consequential time element to it. Like we we look at the excitement that something like John Wick presents when, like, he walks in a room and clearly he now realizes that there's one, two, oh, three, four, five assassins in this civilian situation. Mm-hmm. How is he going to survive this? Well. The key to the excitement of that moment is why he's stopped in that. He is on his way through it to do something. He has a goal. He has to complete it. 
because whatever is next, if he doesn't get to that point, is going to set him further back. Mm -hmm. And we know this as an audience, and he knows it as a character, and that's the cross point that you have to get across. And in normal combat encounters, it is you walk into a room or you're entered into a situation and you have X number of things to kill. But there's no pressure. Yeah. There's no in, there's no inherent moment of tension that is being added to give you a stopgap of, you know, other than hit points. And mm -hmm. by that point, it's too late. Yeah. Like, now it's just fear. You're, there's no tension. It's, oh gosh, our fighter went down, our mage is almost down to no hit points and very few spells. We're at a resource loss. We need to leave. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and you're, you're literally rounds from death at that point. It doesn't feel exciting it just feels fearful and lossful mm -hmm. you know whereas if you're like we only have another five turns before the door gets broken down and 30 more guards pour in mm -hmm. okay we need to finish this and get what we need done yeah now yeah. now there's a sense of tension you know and so in that having that hostile environment the fire like that you presented before where you're literally fighting in a building that is burning meaning it starts out small but it is going to burn down. That is your Chekhov's gun. That is, you, you the players and you are both aware. Um, uh, Blades of the Dark uses uh, clocks for this. Yeah. And yeah. that helps because then the players can see the clocks on the table. Mm -hmm. Not No different than when you're using the tokens within um, Savage World. Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. We're, we're either building or taking away. Yeah. Both give clear denotions of how the game, how the session, or how the scene is going and how it's feeling, mm -hmm. and being prepared for that inevitable moment. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Telegraphing that moment is the key. You know, and, and plus, like you said, you know, the, it's, it's kind of the Chekhov's gun, like being in a hostile environment like that, like you expect hostilities, mm -hmm. you know? Um, that That is the Chekhov's gun of like, okay, well, we're in a hostile environment. If If hostility doesn't break out, like... Characters like to feel like their preparation was rewarded. Yeah. Um, you know, so if you prepared for a bad thing and then the bad thing happened to test your preparedness, that feels good mm -hmm. because it rewards your forethought. You know, um, if you prepared for a bad thing and then nothing happens, you feel like you wasted your time, you know? Yeah, I agree with that. Like, what what good is bringing an armed escort if nobody's going to attack you? Exactly, so, exactly. You know, there is, a, there is a little bit of a chicken and egg there, you know, where, <laughs> like, if the players think something's going to happen, maybe it should. Um, I, I agree with that, but, I, I mean, in each system, I think, either does or doesn't handle that very well. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, I mean, you can you, you can get into the minutia of it, I'm sure. But, uh, but oh, we can. I, I'm just saying is that you know maybe peppering in a little bit of combat on top of some of your more boring scenes and stuff like that is, is okay from time to are you, time. Are you saying to put a little pepper on it? A little, just put a little pepper on it. 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 Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we're back to the steak metaphor, or are we going to Letterkenny? I'm just... No, we're going to Letterkenny. Okay, on I'm just one. making sure. I'm just making sure. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Yes. That is essentially the PCs the, doing two things at the same the, time the, in a nutshell. The, the first of the three. Find a way for every character in that group to get involved in some way. Yeah. Um, or listen for them willing to be involved and be prepared to say, cool. Right. And figure and add it in. Right. Make, make it work. That's I think that's the other aspect of that mm -hmm. is being prepared for your players to lean in and for you to go. Yeah. OK. Yeah, exactly. Versus, oh, that's not going to work. 
Like, mm-hmm. don't do, do, just don't do that. Uh, now, one of the other ways of doing this is doing one thing while another thing is happening. And like I said, this is more, uh, this is like, a, a.k.a. the fighting in a burning building trope. Mm-hmm. Um, the goal may be singular, or it may be multifaceted. Sure, sure, sure. Um, like, like we previously described. But just, be, I say, as a storyteller, especially for a newer storyteller, try to be careful of doing too much. Mm-hmm. Because um, then you have too, way too much stuff to to keep track of, and your players have too much stuff to keep track of. Mm-hmm. Um, but the general gist is that the environment you're in is doing something different. Yeah. Okay. So perhaps, like I said, the burning, the building's burning. Mm-hmm. You might be trying to research something before the entire library goes up in flames. This may be your one chance to learn the information. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's a larger fight going on. We talked a little bit in a much earlier episode about um, mass battles. Yes. And one of the conclusions we came to is that you should have regular sized battles, but use the mass battle as the environmental effect. And in D&D, like a layer action Like a layer action, exactly. Stray bullets, explosions, arrows, siege weapons going Mm -hmm. off around you and stuff like Mm -hmm. that makes your small section of the battlefield unpredictable. Mm Mm-hmm. But you don't have to worry about what thousands of troops are doing. Yeah. Thousands of troops are doing what thousands of troops do. Right. You They're know? holding something at bay. They're keeping other actions from going this on. This isn't their story. They're yeah. fighting all around you. This is still the hero's story. Keep it focused on the heroes. Likewise, you know? if you're doing like a naval battle where it's two ships attacking each other, you don't necessarily... And your goal is to get someone rescued off the other ship before it sinks. Yeah. You've got a lot going on there. You've got that Admiral Norrington scene where he's like walking down the... the things the, are just the, exploding the around thing, him. Things yeah. are exploding around him. Yeah, yeah, I mean, think of that. Like, how cool that would be as an environment, you know, as essentially, like you said, layer actions. Um, a panicked mob rioting mm-hmm. all around you. You know, things like that. Uh, a natural disaster, like a, like a volcanic eruptions or earthquakes, things like that. Um, there's a million ways you can do this. There's a million very exciting environments that are very dynamic, are dangerous, mm-hmm. um, are constantly changing, and that would utterly change a scene if it were being done rather than, you know, in one of those environments rather than in, say, a calm, well-lit room. One of the ones that came to mind uh, when I was reading about this, uh, in, since we were, started working the story, uh, or the um, the episode, was that... Uh, the scene of Indiana Jones in the cart, the minecart, riding, mm-hmm. we are being chased by the other minecarts through a terrible place, the the mines, right? And there's all kinds of things happening while they're on this. Like, the minecart is its own environmental encounter. Yeah. Like, you don't think about that, but that is a really cool way of having an environmental encounter yeah. while a fight is going on, right? Yeah, absolutely. By the way, I can describe that entire scene in Savage Worlds rules for you. Yep, I, and I love that just, kind of stuff. Just, just like you can take a movie and describe 7C rules to yep, me. <laughs> yep, 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 it's true. I can tell you everything that happens in that in that thing in Savage Worlds. Yeah, but it's it's those kinds of things that you can, if you start to visualize moments like that, you can quickly twist those mm-hmm. moments to, okay, what would that what would that scene feel like in a and D chase like a ride chase mm-hmm. okay maybe the environment is stormy mm-hmm. and you're running through you're, you're riding through the woods so it's dark so you they only get light every once in a while and so you're dealing with branches you're dealing with falling trees you're dealing with animals crossing through as you're as they're riding to try and chase something down yeah yeah 
So it's every turn roll a d4, and on a four, lightning flashes. So you don't use the darkness rolls this turn. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, could could be neat. It could be a cool game, a little hide and seek. You know. Yeah, you you now have a clear shot. You exactly. Know, kind of a you, thing. Got the, you got the archer on standby, just waiting to put mm-hmm. an arrow in something. Yep, you know. Exactly. Lightning flashes. Bam! You hit it. And... Yep. That could and, be cool. And and as long as everybody is understanding of what is going on mm-hmm. and how that's being affected, it can be really cool. It yeah. can add a lot to it. Yeah. Um and and I'm gonna let you step into this one because I, I think you kinda wanna ha- I think we need to redeem a little bit of D and wanna I want everybody to just take a moment, take a deep breath, center themselves, sit down for a second because I'm about to say something very nice about D and D. And I know, I know. In recent uh, in recent episodes, I've not been I've not been known for that. No, we we've we say we talk down to it too, I, a little I, too often. I, I I do I do I I admittedly I'm going through a bad bad breakup phase with it right now. So I'm going to say something very nice about D and D. Layer actions are great. They, they I love layer actions so much. They're one of the best things in D and D combat. They add an atmosphere to otherwise boring static combat. They're cinematic. Very AF. much so. Um, and they're a really great template on how to do these sorts of encounters and make your environments actually matter. You yeah. know, I think just looking at them in the rules and being like, this is what this, this monster's layer actions are like immediately gives you a very clear idea of what that layer is and what, how that layer, you know, can act. Yeah. And I'll say this. The one thing that you, you want to keep in mind with this, and it is in the rules, but it is not as explicit mm-hmm. uh, for the storytelling aspect, is as a storyteller, you know the layer actions. It is not upon you to surprise your players with the layer actions. Sure. They should, they're in the environment. Telegraph it yeah. with narration before the event occurs. Like, if the dragon is going to blurch, you know, belch out fire... That is part of the layer action event that they can do because when they breathe out their fire, it maybe lights part of the ground up with it and therefore extends out his fire in a different way. Have it notable that the rocks are are are, are burning slightly. Yeah. You know, you, we, we've talked about it a little bit. You and I have been playing a lot of Monster Hunter World lately. We have been. Um, and so where I'm thinking, and anybody else who who also plays that game, um, down over by where Lavasioth is, mm-hmm. there are it's it's all lava. Mm-hmm. You'd imagine a monster named Lavasioth mm-hmm. is, um, but there are little cracks in the earth there that sputter with lava mm-hmm. a little bit. And when you look at them, you immediately know, like, eh, maybe I shouldn't stand near that thing. And mm-hmm. sure enough, occasionally a will just geyser lava out. And it'll like, crack and, like, rock the terrain. And you'll be in lava a little bit if you're not careful. You, but you can also, like, kite the monster into mm-hmm. it and hurt them with it. And depending stuff, on the monster. Depending on the monster. Um, Sometimes but, they'll just love it. <laughs> but but the fact that it's there, it's a known environmental thing. You know, like mm-hmm. you said, your, your PCs are there. You shouldn't be like, oh, yeah, suddenly there's lava geysers. You guys didn't see that come. Well. No, we kind of did, you know. The room is hot. There's lava seeping out of little cracks everywhere. Yeah. We but, can feel the tremors. And, but the thing is, is that in a story where literally there's no visuals, mm-hmm. maybe you don't even have a really good map to show things off, yeah. it behooves you to bring them into the moment. Exactly. By telegraphing a lot. Yes. And and that's really the key, is telegraphing and storytelling how things are being presented so that they feel those moments 
as they come upon them. Sure, sure. And, and, and I, I think that that, that kind of leads into like the other the other really big aspects that I love these sort of things for mm-hmm. is, you know, kind of like we were saying, you know, that that lava crack in Lavasioth's mm-hmm. area, it can can hurt other monsters, mm-hmm. you know. It adds a tactical element mm-hmm. of like, what if instead of this turn, instead of just rolling my two attacks and whacking it with my sword again, which yawn, mm-hmm. what if I taunt it? <clears throat> right. And get it to run over here and, you know, n- try to keep it here so that next turn that lava, when that lava geyser goes off, you know, I'm thinking Wesley with the R.O.U.S.'s. Yeah. Okay. Rolls it right into the fire. Yeah. He hears the sputtering and he's like, oh, okay. I know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Rolls the thing right over in the fire and kills it. Mm-hmm. How cool is that? That's, it's perfect. He could have stabbed it with his sword, but that was so much, that was so much better. And I, I, I submit to you that if that were an RP game, he'd feel awesome as a player. He'd be telling that story for years. And let's be honest. By doing so, as a storyteller, you're accepting that that is going to do something cool. Mm-hmm. And you're going to lean into that cool factor. Absolutely. You're not going to be like, eh, it only did 1d6 to him, he's still alive. Oh, come on. No, no, man, come on. Come on, he did yeah. something cool, let him have it. Yeah, you he know? held him over the fire, literally. Yes. You know, um, let, let's see how that goes. But also, there's the tactical, there, there's, this, there's the grander strategic aspect of, if this is what a monster's lair does... Do we want to really fight it in there? Right. Or can we lure it out somehow? Can we can we choose the battleground rather than meeting it on its home turf? Yeah, and this is, I think, where, like, a battlefield situation where you don't just immediately throw them into the fight. You have the battlefield feeling, and then you ramp up the encounter mm-hmm. to meet that point. So, like, maybe they're sneaking across, and the, and the events are happening, and they hear the whistling of... Uh, of the rounds coming in so that they know they need to take cover in something only to have the explosions go off so that when they're in combat and you're like, okay, you guys hear whistles. You're like, oh crap, in, we're going to get hit in the next five seconds. Yeah. Crap. Okay. We, yeah. you know, not, maybe not this turn, but next turn rounds are going to hit the ground. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mortars are hitting. Yeah. And exactly. like, we either need to not be here or we need to scatter, Yeah, you know, kind of a thing. Cause we don't know where they're going to hit. Mm-hmm. You know, and and you can do things dynamically with this too. Um, you know, imagine a uh, for anybody who's watched uh, watched and or played because the scene played out the exact same in the game, The Last of Us. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll I'll try to be as, as spoiler free about this as possible because I know the the um the show is relatively fresh. But one of the main characters ends up in a situation where uh they are one on one versus someone who means them harm, mm-hmm. and this character uh. As a, as means of distraction, actually throws a burning log from a fire, um, okay, uh, at them, okay, and it kind of rolls past them, lands up against a curtain, and lights the curtain on fire, starting the room, and suddenly the entire wooden building mm-hmm. is starting to go up, and you have this tense scene that's kind of a, a little bit of stealth, and then turns into action when they finally discover, you know, discover one another, where there's a, there's a there's a quick but brutal fight that breaks out. Um, inside this burning building, mm-hmm. you know, so you can do that. We're like at the beginning of an encounter, everything's fine, but then something happens and like now the room is on fire Yeah, and now that fire is escalating and like every turn that goes by, like you said, you've got a clock mm-hmm. only this clock now has, you know, escalating effects for every tick on it. Yeah. And keep in mind that escalating ticks can mean a lot of different things mm-hmm. in different settings. In fantasy, fire usually is hard to stop unless you've got a caster who's trying to control it, mm-hmm. you know, who has that ability. Um, 
But that doesn't mean it's not going to ramp up other problems. Like the building's been on fire. Now it's not so strong. Right. You know? And and even even if it is just the wizard using control fire to put it out or something like that, um that's still removing the wizard from the from the, the table for a turn or two or three, right. depending on how out of control it's gotten. You right. know. So that's that's turns he's not throwing disintegrate, that's turns he's not throwing fireball himself, that's turns mm-hmm. he's not, you know, Whatever he's doing. Right. So that still that still represents an escalation and things, and it still puts choices on the table. Do I want to just do my wizard thing and blaster cast or whatever, or do I want to try to get this thing under control? Right. You know? Um, so you've got different uh, different types of, of, of uh, ways of doing this. Like the, the two main ones that I could think of were the D&D lair actions. Mm-hmm. We discussed those. Um, the, the main thing with those, though, is they're typically targeted against the PCs. Mm-hmm. Because they are an extension of the monster in D&D, mm-hmm. um, so, like, a red dragon has its own lair actions, and those are all, like, it's never going to hit the, the red dragon, you know? Right. Um, I, I would encourage you to come up with lair actions more often, but make them less targeted. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, it's choose basically from a menu of effects, and you can't repeat that effect, the same, the same one, two in turns row. in a row. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Savage Worlds has an interesting one. Um, it's uh, Complications. Yes. Um, where if your action card... Um, so Savage Worlds uses uh, a deck of playing cards mm-hmm. for their initiative order. Um, if your action card comes up as a club, you suffer a complication on your turn. And depending on what type of, of, of encounter you're doing there, that could mean multiple different things. If it's a chase encounter, you might have a terrain complication where, like... Mm-hmm. You know, crashing through the proverbial cabbage cart. Yeah. Um, something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Or it could be, uh, you know, like in a, in, a, in a social situation, you might get, you know, b- perform a social faux pas or something mm-hmm. like that if you if you fail your, fail your thing. But there's other times you can do this just like as far as, like I said, layer actions go. Okay, you're fighting in a burning building. If your action card comes up as a club, you get in some way affected by the fire. Something a, a, falls on something you. Something falls on Embers you. Embers catch on your cloak or your clothes. Yeah, exactly. You get a little bit too close to open flame and you you know, you know take a little bit of damage. Something separates you from the person you're fighting. You sure, think. sure. Yeah. Um, and we would encourage you to come up with like a menu of of things. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, maybe come up with eight of them and roll a D8. Yeah. You know, uh, just to throw a little little randomness, a little chaos into the, into the scene. Yeah. I, and uh, at the same time, and this is just me, I would also say chain you could you could alter the way that criticals work. For instance, if somebody crits on somebody, maybe the damage isn't the crit. Mm-hmm. Maybe they are able to cut they get an opportunity of some kind out of it. You know, someone gets knocked into the fire, you know, or sure. you know, you know or, or into somebody else which causes a delay or something falls on them or you're using where it's something more about the layer assisting that those layer actions also or those environmental effects affecting the situation in their favor. It's something miraculous. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's it's worth noting that in this situation, your foes also have the chance of flipping clubs. Right. You know, burning beams can land on them as well. And that's that's where I feel like if you don't have the clubs, and it's D and D. Let your crits do that. Let your let your critical failures do that. Mm-hmm. So that it's not just normal combat. It changes the effect of scene. It's do they get an opportunity or is it a consequence? Sure, sure. You or know, something you know, look like at Devil's Bargain and Blades in the Dark. You right. Know, like, like okay, well, you're able to get what you need to, but unfortunately, you're also going to take a hit. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and the thing that I really like about the Savage Worlds version of this, though, is that uh, what I found when I have employed this is that my players will spend bennies to avoid getting clubs. You'll yeah, you'll recycle your action cards using your bennies, which keeps that benny economy going. It does. You know? It really does. It, and it gives me more incentive to give out bennies because you are spending them in return. So that yeah. feels that feels good. And Blades leans into this heavily uh-huh. because it presents the, the, the goal and consequences right up front. It's like you're in a bad situation. If this gets worse, if you don't succeed at this role, you're now going to be in a complicated situation that's just not going to work out for you. So anything is going to turn out bad. Yeah, even yeah, even if you achieve, you're still going to end up with some kind of consequence. Mm-hmm. You know, so in that sense, you're already preparing yourself as a storyteller to be like, okay, what what kind of consequences would this have? Mm-hmm. But that's that's built into the story. And nine times out of ten, your players are right there with you on those consequences. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. Like, even asking, like, okay, so this just happened. Mm, we need a consequence. You know, oh, the person fell on me. Like, yeah. Like, it got knocked over. Or, yeah. you know, I'm out of the scene. Oh, great, perfect. You know, those types of things. Um, Seven C leans into that as well. When you enter a scene, you know what number of successes you need, but you also know what successes you need to spend to take to avoid consequences or get to opportunities. Mm-hmm. And you can just not do the goal and avoid the consequences or you can avoid the consequences and take the role or just get the opportunity because yeah. maybe the opportunity is worth more to you than the other pieces yeah sure. A, so each system does it a little differently and i i kind of encourage looking around at them mm-hmm. because you can really find some different ways of looking at your scenes yeah then than a mechanical you know digital you know video game methodology mm-hmm. you know um to get around that. So so I'm, uh, let's close this up with why is this interesting? Uh, so your encounters of all types don't always happen in ideal circumstances nope. all the time. Um, your hacking role might be fun, but it's a lot more fun when Godzilla's attacking. That's true. Um, that is true. I'm going to say this definitely injects a, a chaotic element into ordinary circumstances, um, mm-hmm. and so it, it can add a lot of randomness. But at the same time, um, it offers another obstacle that your PCs can interact with, possibly rewarding their ingenuity. Yeah, especially in, in PCs so. who may not be directly involved, mm-hmm. but they're still there, and the things are still going on. PCs have always surprised me. No matter what game we're playing, no matter how long I play, it is always surprising to me when I build an environment and I put innocuous, what I believe are innocuous details in there, and players are like, I'm going to use it like this. And you're like, oh, wow. I didn't like when I put this together, I never imagined anyone would do that. And that's the first thing out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last combat in the warehouse, yeah. you shield charged into one of the racks of, of to uh, knock it uh, over, to knock it over and distracted one of the enemies so that um, our fighter could lay into it with his greatsword. Mm hmm. And it worked miraculously. Yep. Um, yep. You know, but like I, those, that was just an environmental detail. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you're in a warehouse. There's shelving units. Sure. Cool. They can fall. Yep. I've seen that video. Yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um. So yeah, yeah. Definitely want to you know re- reward players for their ingenuity in using the environment around them, and I think that's great. Yeah. So. I, I agree. So the third one is everyone, all the PCs doing their own thing towards a common goal. Right. And and this is. 
we'll, we'll call the ship combat is the easiest way to say it. You know, you've got your engineering station, you got your captain station, you got your, you know, your comms, your your piloting. You know, each person has their thing. In Seventh Sea, everyone has a a role on the boat, and they roll for that role. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty common for sh- for like ship to ship combat to be built like this. Mm-hmm. And I got to admit, when I was throwing this this list together, um, I didn't initially. I hadn't actually initially even thought about this mm-hmm. um, as a as a multifaceted encounter, and it absolutely is. Um, Hulu or not? Sorry, I'm not Hulavu. Uh, Nevim, um, who always provides such great questions for us, yes, um, actually asked this question directly. And all so the, the question is in TTRPG Coriolis mm-hmm. uh, by Free League Games. Um, the space combat system has been designed to have different crew positions to take part of the action. You have the pilot, the captain, the gunner. Each player is supposed to take one crew position and thus giving actions and opportunities in the space combat. Is the system designed as a multifaceted encounter? And until I read that question, I hadn't really even thought about this. Mm -hmm. The answer is yes. (sighs) But... Um, so great, great question, Nevin. Thank you so much for, for submitting that and jogging this, this, this whole section of the discussion here. Um, I, I have a problem with ship combat. Would you like the box? I can put I, the I, box down so you can get started. Do you, do you want me to just get up on the box and just get this out of the I way? I would say just get this out of the way. Cause I do want to do the ultra to this at the end. So, sure, but, sure. but please stand up on your box. Um, so I, I, I happened to read a, a Reddit thread, uh, a while ago, um, and, uh, I, I really wish I could find it so that I could, uh, I could give a shout out to this person who, who wrote this wonderful little dissertation on why, uh, ship to ship combat sucks in every game system. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, okay, uh, that, that's a, that's a broad, you know, thesis statement that ship to ship combat sucks always. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's read, let's, yeah. let's see what you got to say here. And basically the idea is that. Um, okay, so everyone is divided into their own unique, very narrow role mm-hmm. in ship-to-ship combat, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so in Coriolis here, we've got the captain, we've got the engineer, the pilot, etc. Okay, so looking directly at those at those rules, the captain can issue one of four different orders that gives a bonus to a specific, specific action for other crew on that turn. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. Literally pick one of these four buttons to push. There's no roll. Mm-hmm. There's no dramatic resolution to it. It's just, oh, you can say repair, and we get a plus one to repair rolls this mm-hmm. turn. You can say fight, and we get a plus one to our shooting this turn. Mm-hmm. No, that, that's it. That's the that's the entire interaction with the captain, mm-hmm. the captain of the ship. Mm-hmm. Okay, then it goes to the engineer, and the engineer has to move around little power points basically, and make sure that whatever we're trying to do has enough power allocated to it. Now I, I can see this being maybe a little dramatic when you know the ship gets a little bit beaten up, and you've got those moments like you do on Star Trek where it's like. Uh, you know, reactors at 50% and, you know, we need all power to the shields so that we can get out of here. Screw the phasers. We're not shooting anymore, you know? Right. Okay. I get that. But essentially all you're doing is saying that gets points and that gets points. It's a decision making tree. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then nothing, you Mm -hmm. know, um, the pilot makes a piloting role to basically see if the ship moves closer to or away from the enemy. That's it. Mm Mm-hmm. 
you've essentially got like a grid that you're moving like forward or backwards on mm-hmm. to close distance if you're chasing or build distance if you're running. Yeah. And and again, that that's that's it. And so what this does is this leaves very little choice for interesting gameplay. You push your assigned button and then it's on to the next turn. There's no interesting story being told here. I mean, just like everything else, you can role play during it. Mm-hmm. But the actual interaction at hand here is very minimal. Your choices are very minimal. And you're, you've just basically split up what should be one task into five separate individual little tasks so that everybody can feel like they're involved in the situation. Yep. Now, that's it on the surface. So... What I'm gonna do, I, I'm gonna step in here for just a minute and and, okay. and, and do my portion of, of 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 handling this a little differently, and, and I'm gonna not argumentatively say this, but that is in essence most combat in mechanical terms in D and D. I am the fighter. What do I do? I walk over to it and push my one button. Fight. What do I do? I'm the cleric. I get a choice. Either I heal or I do the other thing that I can do, which might be fight or not. I am the mage. I shoot the thing. I fight. I have my fight button, right? Okay. So, and, th- and it's somebody else's turn. And then it's somebody else's turn. And I then think, it's some- I think you're wrong, but, con- but continue. That, but I feel that there is that there, there is a similarity in the way that that is envisioned Mm -hmm. that some people enjoy that some people enjoy the board game aspect in the mini board game inside of your role-playing system so that everyone can feel involved because people who may not role-play who may not be as at the same level of creativity may find that that right there that that moment of downtime when uh, effectively making it easier to play they get to play an aspect of something that is kind of cool for them to do, and then they can role play it up. It's the mechanics are easy. The role play suddenly goes through the roof because it's easy because it's simplified. I get what you're saying, but I I think that uh, especially from the standpoint of like comparing it to regular combat, you know, right? I don't think I. I think if your combat's boiled down to I press my attack button. I press my fireball button, mm-hmm. I press my heal button, mm-hmm. then, man, you really, like, need to work on imagining better better systems and better, you know, like, sure, you're rolling your eyes at me. No, I'm, I, what I'm saying is but it's not, I'm not trying to argue with the fact of... I just got done describing how I told you you were fighting in a warehouse, and the first thing you did yeah. was slam into a environmental. Yep. You created an environmental hazard. You know th- that it's that sort of ingenuity that you have available to you, especially if you have a storyteller that rewards that ingenuity. Okay, I agree. And so, th- but that option isn't on the menu in Coriolis's ship combat. And that's what I'm saying is that the mechanics are what's hindering you. In doing that, and in some cases, players need that tight mechanic to enjoy. Yeah, Heatsink's got my back in the live chat. He says, my, my "Point is the same. It's the same regardless of how you dress it up." I would. I I, I I'm with you. I think my point. Oh wait, I think he's trying to agree. He says his point. I think he's trying to agree with you. Yeah, and and th- and that's the thing is is that it's. 
what I'm what I'm trying to get at is that I'm not saying that there's a negative to playing Coriolis. I think that there is some people who would truly enjoy that because it is boxed in mechanics that that are simplified and easy and allow them to role play with their own flexibility beyond that. In a in a narrative sense, I I see what I see what you're saying. Like I'm I'm not going to sit here and say that you're wrong. No, no, we, Look, we have this table diff- for a reason. Different people are going to have fun in different ways. Correct. Coriolis's rules are not objectively bad. And They're not objectively bad. I don't like them. Correct. Because of the of four stated things. Yeah. Now, I will continue with my point. And I'm so- going to because the last thing I'm going to say is our show is about storytelling. And that's what we're focusing it, on. Right. <laughs> we are not board game conclave. Correct. Thank yes, you so much. So, exa- yes. Allow me to let you continue. Okay. So <laughs> the other half of this is yes. re- re-conceptualizing uh, 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 what ship combat means in the term of the narrative. Okay. Uh, and that is basically that um, in media, most of the time, um, ship combat isn't about the combat. It's almost always about the individuals on the ship while it's in combat. Okay. We used Firefly as an example earlier. Okay, we talked about it, Firefly yeah. usually is the go-to archetype that a lot of people, because it's a very ubiquitous media, um, in, in especially in nerd culture, mm-hmm. um where you can describe what the functions of a small crew on a ship should look like. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so you, typically you've got these rules like in Coriolis where it's like, oh, well, everybody everybody goes to a station and everybody does their little job to make the ship all work. Mm-hmm. Um, you almost never see that, though, because the characters are typically not crew members on a ship. They're passengers on a ship. Or... They're there to do something entirely different that isn't engineering or piloting or whatever. Or they're a specific part of a larger crew. Right. So, again, I will describe Firefly because it's something I think a lot of people know. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a it's a go to thing for like, oh well what if it's a small crew? Everybody has to do their part, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's look at Firefly. You've got Wash, who's mm-hmm. the pilot. Mm-hmm. You've got Mal, who's mm-hmm. the captain. Mm-hmm. You've got Kaylee, who is the engineer. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. Those are the only people directly interacting with the Serenity. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is a passenger mm-hmm. on that ship. Mm-hmm. Now mind you the Serenity doesn't have guns, nope. so there's not really combat necessarily. But, I mean, there are times when the ship gets in trouble and they need to operate the ship as a team. Sure. But even even uh, um, Zoe, who is, you know, part of the quote-unquote crew, is not doing anything. She's just first mate. She's basically just there to back Mal up on mm-hmm. things. Um, you've got their gun bunny. Why can I not Jane? Think his name? Jane, thank you. Um, you got their gun bunny, Jane. You know, ordinarily, like that's oh well, you're the you're the warrior dude, so you're gonna man the ship's guns. Well, it doesn't have guns, so essentially, yeah, even their even their fighter is sitting around hoping well, things they go well. Weld a you know forty millimeter cannon to it in in the final you know act, and even then, it was brief, very very brief, very brief, yeah. But then aside from that, you've got book. Mm-hmm. You've got Simon. Mm-hmm. You've got River. Mm-hmm. Um, am I missing Inara. anybody? Inara. Oh, Inara. Yeah. yeah. So you've like the five of them, six if you include Zoe, are literally just 
sitting around hoping things go well. Strapped in. Right. So the story is not about them, you know, everybody pitching in and manning the crew and blah, blah, blah. It's about what are we doing? What is the drama behind the scene? Why are we in combat right now? And another one, even if you want to go to something that is way more gritty, The Expanse, Mm -hmm. right? Most of those people are just strapped in hoping not to die. Yeah. In most of their scenes. You have crew on these ships that are NPCs that are doing these things for you. Yeah. Okay. So here's some thoughts that I've got about this. Focus on what is going on with these individuals while it's in combat. Okay. It's usually a ship combat scene is going to be better run, in my opinion, as PCs doing one thing while another thing is happening. Yeah. Your environmental effect is the ship is blowing up around you. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Yeah. Um, maybe you are the pilot and the captain of that ship. That's fine. That's two of you mm-hmm. of the five people at my table. Mm-hmm. You guys are going to worry about, you know, uh, negotiating with the other ship that's firing upon you. And when that fails, you're going to get the heck out of here. Cool. What are the other three of you doing? How many times in Star Trek has the captain or someone gone down to engineering and the entire view goes to engineering? Exactly. What is happening on the bridge? Who cares what's happening on the bridge? The story isn't there. Right. You right. know? The Klingons are still firing. Exactly. That's the key, you know. <laughs> um, you know, so that the ship being under fire, maneuvering, being boarded, etc., is the hostile environment that the other important story tasks are taking place during. Yeah. Okay. Um, some more thoughts. As a PC, because mm-hmm. I've been in this in this position before in your Seven C game. Yep. I made my character to be a teleporting gunslinger, mm-hmm. not a cannoneer. I'd like to be teleporting. Or gunslinging, preferably both at the same time. Yes. Not making a single shooting roll to see how many HP I can knock off of the enemy Galleon. Yep. Yep. That's it. Yep. No, it's 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 a very valid point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt in uh, in the iconic sea combat scene where his players did were not doing things with the boat. They were going to screw up the other boat using their magic. We made the sea do a somersault underneath the enemy boat, <laughs> yep. and that was the end of that. Yeah, and, yep. and and now it is scuttled against the rocks, you know, and mm-hmm. and your, your your entire combat sequence that you were going to go through is, is scrapped. Great. But at the same time, great. Like, great. The, the players PCs, are being themselves. Yeah, they used their abilities. They they took charge <laughs> of a situation. They, yeah. were ingi- they used their own ingenuity. Yeah. Reward it. And the story moves on. Like, it's not important. Um, and then lastly, I would say, like, if you want to play the part of the captain, that's fine. Make the tough calls on the bridge. That's great. I think that's a great dramatic moment to be in as a captain. Okay. Mm-hmm. The the big drama of being the captain is making those tough calls. Maybe you'll need to send a man to his death, blah, blah, blah. Right? Right. Cool. Let's do it. Yeah. Each turn... Everyone else on the ship, regardless of what they're doing, because we are under fire and parts of the ship are being blown up, mm-hmm. is going to suffer some sort of complica- complication or consequence. Mm-hmm. Your command, battle, whatever skill your the current system offers mm-hmm. you to be the captain mm-hmm. will result in removing some of the consequences for them. Mm-hmm. You choose. Mm-hmm. Are you going to triage the, the, the warp core explosion that's about to happen in engineering, but maybe some of the crew quarters are being vented? Or yep. are you going to assign, you know, triage to the crew quarters to try to save the innocent people, but maybe engineering is going to have to white knuckle it with a yeah. roll of duct tape and some super glue for a turn or two, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
why is this better for me than choosing one of four bonuses to give off of a menu? The drama behind command is coming uh, in having other lives in your hands mm-hmm. and having to make those tough calls, okay? By removing some but not all of the negative consequences from other PCs, you get to triage the negative consequences of combat and put in that into practice. Yes. If you can remove all of them, it's not a tough call. No. Neither is the captain consigned to this role, like you said. Yeah. I can head down to engineering at any time and start helping them out. That's fine. Yeah. Like, I, I, don't I can have do to be more down in engineering than I can do up here. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, maybe, maybe I do have a repair skill. Like, maybe they need all hands on deck down there, you know? Yeah. Cool. Yep. That's where the story's going to be then, yeah. you know? And it's just so much more pre- freeform and personal than just, oh, you guys get a plus one to shooting. Mm-hmm. I always, when I was reading over this, I kept thinking back to Vicky playing her bard in third edition D&D. Okay. And how her contribution to the combat was plus one. Yeah. And how we turned that into a meme mm-hmm. in our group mm-hmm. because it, that it was so boring mm-hmm. and so mundane. Mm-hmm. Plus one. That's mm-hmm. me. I'm, I played a bard. I get to say plus one. Yep. Yeah. Because I'm playing music. Plus one. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I you mean, know. it's it's not. It, it makes it again board gamey with some flavor. Yeah. Yeah. Which is sad. Um. So. I would say consider, like, you know, repelling borders. Yeah. Okay. Um, as doing, is, instead of running like as a combat or something like that, mm-hmm. run that as PCs doing two things at once. Mm-hmm. You know? Borders don't have to be a full combat encounter. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, think about trying to fix hull breaches while being shot at. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've played a little bit of Sea of Thieves. Yeah. You know what that's like. I do. I do. I think the other aspect of it is also like the um, the Star Trek aspect where it's like someone else gets put in charge. Like, don't let them, you know, do what you need to 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 handle the situation. And suddenly the combat becomes a social encounter mm-hmm. for that new captain. Like, I'm thinking the Sulu moment of like, I have 16 high high definition you know, warheads pointed at you. Don't test me. Yeah. You know, I love that seed, but at the same time, it's a bluff that everybody is just like, you rolled really well. Don't remind me never to play poker with you. you Yeah, right, right. You know, but at the same time, that it changes the scene because while that's going on, someone else is sneaking out of the ship to go do something else. Yeah. That continues the moment. Oh, that that Firefly moment. (laughs) You all go back inside and enjoy your drinks or I will blow a new crater in this crappy little moon. (laughs) They think that a Serenity or a Firefly class ship has guns on it. <laughs> but that's but that's the thing is that you can do things like that. Yeah. You can you can change up the whole moment and give your PCs that edge. Yes. Or at the same yes. time, make it very fearful that bad things are happening, and you've got to make the you've got mm-hmm. to make some tough decisions to get out of there. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You know, if we can go just a little bit longer, you know, can you guys can you guys work a little faster? We have this evasion clock. Right. Hold them off just one more turn. I almost have the hyperdrive back online and then we are out of here. Yeah. We'll get one jump, but that's it. Right. Right. But it'll put us out of range of their guns and that's all we need right now. You know, exactly. Cool. You live to tell another day. You had a tense moment. Wham. Exactly. All right. We've talked a lot. Yes, we have. But we still, have questions. Questions. Yeah. we still have questions. We still have questions. Nevim had some really good questions, and I liked that. Um, 
Where do you want to go? Because I know you threw some of these in here. Uh, I mean, I think I think we've kind of answered the first one. What tips can you give to upgrade an encounter to a multifaceted encounter? Um, a lot of it is just looking at what else is going on in the environment and what could be happening in the environment. And also, know? it doesn't being prepared to gauge your thing back from a combat to an encounter that's multi uh, multifaceted. Right, right. Because right. it doesn't have to be combat. To still be a good encounter and mm -hmm. a challenge. Always remember that. Yes. If it doesn't have to be. Yes. Now, again, if your game is combat leaning, here's how to spice up your combat. You know how to. Yeah, I mean, combat's probably the easiest one to fight to, because you know, it's probably the most common activity in a lot of games, especially Dungeons and Dragons and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So, it's just a very common example. But yeah, by all means, it does not need to be combat. Okay. Next one. Uh, in tabletop RPG, Tales from the Loop. Okay. Uh, there is a notion of extended trouble, Ooh. where the characters are facing some great trouble or huge situation. The players are asked to design a plan. Each player will make one role to resolve the issue. Each player chooses the type of role, depending on how the character takes part in the overall plan. Once all roles are made, the outcome is described. As before, uh, system is this system designed as a multifaceted encounter? 100% yeah. sounds like a dramatic task to me. Yeah, sounds exactly like a dramatic task or a skill challenge in 4th mm -hmm. uh, edition D&D. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think I think both of those systems are great, and mm -hmm. I highly encourage their use. Mm -hmm. Skill challenges were one of the best things to come out of D&D. Dramatic tasks, I think, are one of my one of my go-to tools for uh, for resolution in uh, um, Savage Worlds. Yeah, I think uh, Blades in the Dark simplifies this, but it would still weigh in the same direction mm -hmm. uh, for party tasks. Yeah, I think the, the big important takeaway from tasks like this, and this is the reason I love them so much, is because... Um, it allows different types of characters to play to their strengths and choose the best way in which they can help. Okay, so if you've got a research-based character, or, you know, a, a, a bookworm, you know, basically, um, they can lend, you know, information gathering. You mm -hmm. know, but if you've got somebody who barely knows how to read, but you know, can pick things up and put things down. Well, then, you know, maybe they can put their back into something. Maybe they can move something or build something or fight something, you mm -hmm. know. Um, and all of these things working in concert gets the job done. But it'll, it leaves it up to the players to pick from their strengths and work together to do it. And everybody gets to share their own individual limelight that way. Yes. Rather than it being like, oh, this is a combat encounter, but I'm the bookworm, so I guess I'm just going to sit this one out. And it does allow for some player metagaming with each other where you can help each other lean into narrative aspects of each other. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Like, dude, I don't, I don't know what I can do here. And somebody else is like, dude, you have that huge lore skill. Like, you could literally be telling us about how to solve this mm -hmm. in this other way. And that helps those players start envisioning their character under a different light. And if you're playing in a system, uh, like, I, 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 I can't speak to a lot of other systems, but I know that uh, Savage Worlds does this really well. Your character in my game, you've actually built a lot of his edges to uh, make him the most efficient helper. Mm -hmm. You know, so a lot of times it isn't what you're doing. Not it's voice. who you can help to give giant bonuses to, to, do, to do their job. Correct. And situations like that where your character really shines, where mm -hmm. it's like, okay, guys, we all got to work in concert today. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. That's where I shine the best. Yep. Let's, let's do something as a team. Yep, yep, exactly. exactly. So, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where this next question, do you have any examples of games that are putting multifaceted encounters in their design? And I think to a degree, 
I mean, Savage World definitely does. Mm-hmm. We talk about it all the time, the dramatic tasks. Aiding is an action within it that is literally designed to keep players involved with each other, regardless of what their base abilities are. Sure. Even in combat, a lot of your, like, non-combat skills, like persuasion and stuff like that, can be used in a combative way to taunt enemies and throw yeah. them off their guard and whatnot, you know? Yeah, it's the age-old, like, while the fighter is fighting in the bar, the damsel can hit someone over the head with a bottle. Sure, you know? it may not do damage, but it distracts them and that's when the fighter clocks them correct you know is that my light your light is uh, having a little light switch rave over there a little light light switch rave i thought it was just me getting twitchy Uh, blades in the dark again shines in this way because you can uh you can do a lot more discussion even before dice hits the table to decide how you want to handle that encounter as a group Mm -hmm. you know whether it's a group action whether it's aiding within it um all of that sits within the same pace and it's not the age old D&D where someone says I'm going to do this thing while everybody else is still planning like well that's now what we're doing mm-hmm. you know because you just don't want to plan mm-hmm. you know it it changes the way that scenes can be described and moved through and how consequences can be uh, mitigated and or added to get the results that you want to get at the end. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I love that. In, that in that aspect you are group storytelling at that point not just rolling dice and then saying what happened after the fact. Right, right, right. Um, And I think, you know, that's where that telegraphing comes in with, like, 7C, is that it's presenting that situation to the group, and then the group decides how what consequences they're going to be willing to accept, how they're going to spend their roles, things like that, to be able to get the narrative that they want out of it and the story to continue. Sure, sure. You know? Uh, and I do want to, you know, drop D&D, of course, back into this mention here um, that, uh, you know, I think, uh, like I said earlier, their lair actions are phenomenal examples of mm-hmm. multifaceted encounters because, you know, having to deal with that sort of stuff while a combat encounter is going on is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also seen, uh, though I don't know that it's necessarily put forward in their in their actual design, I have not played a lot of, um, like, book encounters mm-hmm. uh, or, uh, or you know, uh, storylines or whatever, mm-hmm. um, modules. Pre-generated adventures? Yeah, I, I haven't played a lot of those. Um, but uh, I, I've seen, like, on Critical Role, Matt Mercer has done a couple where, um, like, they're they're fighting a thing that is contained in a uh, uh, in a glass case, like a, like a brain in a jar sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had to go around and... Um, dispel like three different runes while this thing was summoning in monsters and lashing out with tentacles and stuff like that Hmm. to open the containment so that they could kill the brain in the jar inside. Nice. Um, and so it, yeah, it kind of created one of those scenes where it was like, okay, we're doing research roles under fire, you Mm -hmm. know, we're only this time. It was arcane roles to, you know, unlock this rune sequence. And there was only a couple of people in the group that could do it. And they were the big hitters too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was Caleb and Bo. It was in their second uh, second season. Okay. So the monk and the blaster caster wizard mm-hmm. uh, were essentially taken out because they were both trying to work these runes because it was really high difficulty, and they were the only ones with the arcane skill to do it. Yep, yep. Um, so yeah, you've got you've got choices to make there. You know, yep. you design your encounters like that. It starts getting pretty fun. Yep. So before we close out. Yeah, I'm gonna. I want to and, and talk about uh, this the uh, next week's topic for those of you who are listening tonight and those who are going to be on the podcast. Um, next week is our anniversary. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's been the ninth is our four, four year, year anniversary. anniversary. 
We started in 2019 on Thursday, May 9th. We was thought our... we thought it was our third year anniversary, and then we did yeah. the math, and we're like, "There's 52 years in a week, <laughs> or f- 52 weeks in a year, or 52 weeks in a year." And we and we've done over Two, 200, 200 episodes. episodes. Oh crap! <laughs> yeah. yeah, we just hit that number. So, yep. um, we're, we're gonna sell out, throw out some thanks, but um, I, I really appreciate everybody being here for the ride. It's yeah. been really cool. Um, last month our numbers were pretty incredible. And it, it, it was surprising. It was our, it was our biggest month. Yeah. Yeah. And, but we've had a nice gain really for the last year. It's been pretty incredible. Um, and we've seen a lot uh, of new faces on the Discord. And I love that. Oh my God. I love that. We've had some new faces, some, some some new, uh, uh, guests. Yeah. Um, talking to us. We've had some people reach out to us. Uh, you know, we had our first sponsorship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Um, and we love doing this. Yeah. We, we want more people in the Discord. I'm always trying to get people on Reddit to, to jump in and join the discord regardless of the level of storyteller they are. I love seeing new storytellers who are just about to get into D and D or just about to get into another game and they need help and they want help, but they don't want to ask the players and they're not sure about the, I love when they jump on and they start asking questions. Mm -hmm. It's some of the best times for me because it it's, (laughs) I think it comes down to like, when we were coming up with more episodes this year, because we needed another 19 shows. Yeah. Like we do this to ourselves. We're like, dude, we're, we got to get more shows out. We need to figure out. So we'll, we'll sit down and, and, and brain bash it. But Vicky <laughs> uh, joined us on this last one and you had made a really cool way of saying why it was important to have Vicky there. And it was something to the effect of like, we have this brain tranquility about what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And we need someone to throw a rock in the pond so that we can see what's really going on. Yeah. And just, just to mess us up a little bit to, to not think in the same direction. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we lose the horse blinders briefly. Yeah. Just so that we can look around and be like, oh, yeah, that's right. I totally forgot about that thing. Mm-hmm. You know, just for a second. And and I think new storytellers really help with that. Yeah. I think people who come in from different systems really help oh, with that. I, I love it um, when somebody comes into our Discord and is like... Hey, I'm a huge player of like this game, and I think that's actually like where our next system spot, like our, our next week's show, uh, Cortex, yeah, comes up. I think it was somebody, somebody I forgot, I forgot who it was, uh, came in and was like, "Guys, I'm a huge Cortex player. Have you reviewed this yet?" And we're like, "No, we haven't." Cor- Cor- Cortex, as, as we're quietly putting it on the list. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, no, I no, no, never, never heard of it. <laughs> Maybe we'll think about that, right? You know, but. <laughs> You know, but it's it's things like that 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 help us that help us listen to the community that help us remember that there are still new people out there who need to hear new stuff who who need to to start at the basics and help them. And you know, I don't always want to say like, "Hey, go back and listen to our first episodes," mm-hmm. because like that's not the answer all the time. Yeah, and in many times it's, "Hey, go listen to this one hundred and one episode and this other episode." But at the same time, like, ask your questions. Uh, yeah, we'd absolutely. love to answer them. It helps. Everybody's, and, everybody's table is unique, yeah, and it's great to not only you know jog our own our own you know things, but like also get other storytellers yeah. jumping in. Dude. Half the time, I don't I don't answer questions on purpose because I want to give other storytellers a chance. So to, much so, so to, much so to go and you know stretch and some great answers have come out. And I I of love community hearing about other people's games. Yeah, absolutely. God, I love hearing about other people's games. You know, because because you get the you get exceptionally creative things mm-hmm. and and very simple things that are like, hey, I I've got this magic item. Uh, can you guys give me some ideas of of like, is this is this right? Is this good? Because here's this ex- ex- expansive game, and I'm throwing this magic item in. 
Mm -hmm. I just need to talk about this. Sure. Great. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, right. You know, whatever. And like a lot of people are still talking about D&D. We don't care. We'll we'll answer D&D. As a group, we'll love it. Yeah. You know, at the same time, someone's just like, hey, I'm looking to do this. Sounds like you might want to do Blades in the Dark or, you know, or Morkberg or or, or any number of other things. And I I absolutely love that. I absolutely love that. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, so thank you, everyone. And please, if you're thinking about joining our Discord, please come. Come join our Discord. We would love, love, love to have you uh, and to talk with you and and hear what you're doing. Um, It would mean a lot to us. So That said. That said. Next week's system spotlight, uh, second Wednesday of the month. So y'all get to learn a new system along with us. We are talking about Cortex. It's an award-winning tabletop role-playing game. Um, that has existed in one form or another for over 20 years. I had no idea. It's been around. Like, yeah. when I started looking up, I was like, what the heck do I say for the history on this one? Because there's quite an interesting history on Cortex. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm I'm interested to dig into it, so. Uh, but Cortex Prime is the newest version, um, and uh, refined and redesigned for a new digitally supported generation. So, yeah. uh, we are going to be uh, discussing the ins and outs of that, and you guys are going to be learning it right alongside of us. So, you can find us on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave, on Instagram at ST underscore Conclave. Listen to us live every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on MixLR.com slash Storyteller dash Conclave. And uh, like we said, join us up on Discord. We'd love to have you there. Join the community. Discuss things with uh, the other uh, storytellers up there. And shoot us some questions. We'll answer them live here on the air. You can find that link on our Twitter as well as our website, StorytellerConclave.com. We'd like to thank our Patreon members who help and support us every single month, especially our name members, Knox in the Box, Subjet, Sam, the Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion, Fedrin, Hulavu, and Sean. We really appreciate all of your support. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find that at Patreon.com slash Arcane Anthems or on Instagram. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrog.bandcamp.com or on Google Music. And our outro music, which you're hearing right now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find them at freemusicarchive.org. Big shout out, as always, to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thanks Thank so you. much for loving and supporting us. All of our friends who've sat at our tables over these years to give us great stories to share with you and you, every single one of our listeners. We love you guys so much. Love you. Good night. Good night.